0: You're listening to the Partisan Comms podcast. There is a signal broadcast every second of every day through our television sets. Welcome to episode two. I'm Terrence, and today we explore the fascinating world of espionage and intelligence. One of the most mysterious and intriguing aspects of spycraft or something called numbers stations. If you're a listener of shortwave broadcast, it's possible to stumble upon these strange-sounding, unintelligible transmissions, repeating number groups or digitally synthesized voices, reciting code words or phrases. In popular culture, you may have heard numbers stations in movies like Red Dawn. That's a pretty popular one, where members of a resistance group called the Wolverines are... Listening to a shortwave radio broadcast which is transmitting coded messages to Americans caught behind enemy lines. Here's a uh, example of a number station as portrayed in Red Dawn. It's 1159 at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with music and the Truth until dawn. Right now, i got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. In that clip, you could hear a couple of coded phrases. So one was the chair is against the wall, and then the other is John has a long mustache. And I... Pretty sure that was a tip of the cap to a another movie that uh, came before it uh, called *The Longest Day*. And in *The Longest Day*, there's another scene where someone is sitting at a table listening to a broadcast, and what they do is they transmit uh, as part of the uh, coded message. John has a long mustache, and so. Uh, in the longest day, that was a coded signal used by the French resistance in World War II to rally their forces once the Allies had landed on the beaches of Normandy and here's a clip of the longest day, and some of it's in French, but there is a part where you can hear them saying "John has a long mustache." Demain, la mélasse deviendra du cognac. Demain, la mélasse deviendra du cognac. Jean a de longues moustaches. Je répète. Jean a de longues moustaches. Sabine a les oreillons et la jaunisse. Je répète. Sabine a les oreillons et la jaunisse. Jean a de longues moustaches. Je répète. The broadcasting of coded messages was also mentioned in the movie The Imitation Game. And if you're not familiar with that movie, it's a story of a mathematician, Alan Turing, who during World War II cracked the uh, German code with help from other mathematicians. During the war, the Nazis would encode messages using something called an Enigma machine, and then they would broadcast those coded messages over shortwave radio and so anyone with a shortwave radio including the allies could hear the messages but they couldn't understand their meaning because they didn't have the means to decode them some number stations will follow certain formats however there are many differences in details between these stations sometimes transmissions will begin on the hour while others might start on the half hour these number stations are believed to be a way for governments and intelligence agencies to communicate with their spies operating in foreign countries. Later on I'll get into some examples of that, but these encrypted messages they can take the form of numeric or radio alphabet code names. Sometimes as in the case of radio alphabet stations the prelude can also signify the nature or priority of the message to follow or The prelude repeats for a period before the body of the message begins. Many broadcasts will use either automated voices, Morse code, or a digital mode. And the specific encryption methods used by most number stations are unknown, but many are believed to be encrypted with one-time pad, and that's a method that's virtually unbreakable if it's used correctly. To use this method, spies only need a shortwave radio, a codebook to receive and decipher the messages. For those unfamiliar with one time pad, it's one of the most secure encryption techniques ever invented. The method of encryption entails combining a message with a secret key that is as long as the message itself, and the key is randomly generated and used only once, hence the name one time pad. It has a remarkable property, it's mathematically proven to be unbreakable as long as the key is truly random, never reused, and kept secret from anyone but the sender and receiver. The idea of one-time pad was first described by Frank Miller in 1882 who was an American banker and he had suggested using a book of random numbers as a key to encrypt telegraphic messages. However, the idea really didn't become widely known or used until around 1917 when uh, Gilbert Vernum, who was an engineer at AT&T, and Joseph uh, Malbarn, who was a military cryptographer, they independently rediscovered it and then approved upon it. So Vernum's contribution was inventing a machine which used a punch tape of random characters as a key to encrypt messages and uh, Marbor, he eventually realized that the key had to be as long as the message and never repeated to ensure secrecy. Something of note regarding one-time pad is that in 1963, it was actually used as a uh, way to establish a direct hotline between Washington, D.C. and Moscow in an effort to prevent nuclear war. It is still used today by some entities who require absolute secrecy, and privacy. For example, it is used by some human rights activists and journalists to communicate with whistleblowers and sources. One-time-pad has been used by various governments and organizations for critical and sensitive communications throughout the 20th century. For example, during World War II, it was used by Winston Churchill and Franklin D. Roosevelt to exchange confidential messages. During the Cold War, It was used by spies on both sides to receive instructions from their handlers via shortwave using number stations. Number stations have been around since at least World War I and and possibly earlier, although in my research I haven't been able to find any examples of it existing prior to that, just the suggestion that it may have. But they reached their peak during the Cold War when both sides used them extensively to send instructions, information, or warnings to their agents. And some of the most famous number stations include the Lincolnshire Poacher. And that was a number station that was run by the British MI6 from Cyprus. And I'll play you an audio clip from a Lincolnshire Poacher Broadcast. in that clip it was a series of repeating tones and then a voice came on and repeated a series of numbers and uh, that clip actually goes on for some time i just wanted to uh, play a short snippet of it but other famous number stations include attention which was a station run by cuban intelligence from havana there was also the gong and that was run by east german army from berlin And a famous station that engaged in relaying secret transmissions during World War II was Radio London, which broadcasted from England into Nazi-occupied France. And that one was operated by the Free French in conjunction with the BBC. And it served to counter Axis propaganda and to pass along coded instructions to members of the resistance, the OSS as well as others involved in fighting against the occupation. Unlike many other number stations that have ceased broadcasting since the end of the Cold War, some stations actually remain active today, despite the introduction of more modern and secure technologies such as satellite phones, encrypted emails, or burner phones. There's a website, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but I believe it's priom.org, and I'll spell it. It's P-R-I... YOM.org. And that's a website that monitors and analyzes number stations. And they've documented some of the most active number stations today. And some of those stations include an English language voice station run by Poland, which broadcasts daily at various times and frequencies. This one uses a female voice that reads out five digit groups preceded by an identifier, such as artichoke, and sometimes sends messages in Morse code or digital modes as well. There's also a Russian language voice station. That one seems to be run by Russia, or is believed to be run by Russia, and it broadcasts daily at various times and frequencies. This one uses a male voice that reads out five-digit groups preceded by an identifier, such as Sudan, or Persian, and sometimes it sends messages in Morse code or digital modes as well. There's also a Spanish-language voice station run by Cuba. That one broadcasts daily at various times and frequencies, just like the Russian station, but it uses a female voice that reads out five-digit groups preceded by identifiers such as Atención or Cinco, and sometimes sends messages in Morse code or digital modes, much like the Russian station. There is a Morse code station run by Ukraine and that one broadcasts daily at various times and frequencies as well and it sends five digit groups preceded by an identifier such as M12 or M14 and it sometimes sends messages in voice or digital modes. Lastly, there's a frequency shift Keen digital station run by Egypt and it broadcasts daily at various times and frequencies that one sends encrypted data preceded by an identifier such as fo 6 or fo 7 and sometimes it sends messages in voice or Morse code. These are just some examples of active number stations that you can attempt to tune into if you have a shortwave radio and some curiosity. Although you don't have whatever decryption key is needed to understand the message, but you can still enjoy the mystery and thrill of listening to something that's not meant for you. So why do these number stations still exist? What are they saying? Who are they talking to? And these are really just some of the questions that have fascinated and puzzled amateur radio enthusiasts, cryptographers, journalists, and even spy agencies for decades. Number stations broadcasts have often been the target of intentional jamming attempts. However, despite these attempts, many number stations continue to broadcast unimpeded. Historic examples of jamming include... Uh, a station thought to originate from Israel's Mossad intelligence agencies. And it was believed to have been uh, jammed or attempted to be jammed by the Chinese music station, which is thought to originate from the People's Republic of China and usually used to jam Sound of Hope, which is a uh, radio broadcast which are anti-CCP in nature. There have been some people who have tried to Crack the codes of number stations with varying degrees of success. For example, in 1998, the United States government arrested five Cuban spies. They were referred to as the Cuban Five or the Miami Five. And they had been receiving messages from a station I mentioned earlier called Attention and the government was actually able to decrypt some of the messages only because they uncovered a codebook that was found in one of the spies' homes. And the messages essentially contained information about U.S. military bases, political events, and other sensitive topics. Another example is that of Anna Montez, a former American analyst for the Defense Intelligence Agency, and Montez spied on behalf of the Cuban government for nearly two decades. In September of 2001, Montez was arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit espionage for Cuba, and Montez ended up pleading guilty to spying and was sentenced to a 25-year prison term, and she served about 20 of the 25-year sentence. After she was released, I believe sometime in January of 2023, she then began serving five years of probation. Montez was a student at John Hopkins University, and it was actually there where she was recruited by Cuban intelligence, and they basically groomed her to pursue employment with the U.S. government. Montez began working with the Defense Intelligence Agency sometime around September of 1985, and prior to that role, she worked for the United States Department of Justice and in 1992 was selected for the Defense Intelligence Agency's Exceptional Analyst Program and then she ended up traveling to Cuba where she began studying the Cuban military. During discovery and prior to her trial, Montez was accused of communicating with Cuban intelligence operatives through encrypted messages and provided instructions through shortwave encrypted transmissions. Montez also communicated by coded numeric pager messages with Cuban intelligence through public telephones. During the U.S. government's investigation into Montez, investigators determined she had passed a considerable amount of information to Cuban intelligence. And some of that intelligence appears to have included the identities of American spies in Cuba. Despite the information revealed from the cases of the Cuban Five and Montez, most number stations remain a mystery. No government has ever officially acknowledged or confirmed their existence or purpose. They are mostly a relic of a bygone era of espionage, but also a testament to its enduring relevance and secrecy. They are a reminder that there's still secrets out there waiting to be uncovered. You can listen to some of the recordings of number stations on something called the Conant Project, and if you Google the Conant Project, you should be able to find a Wikipedia page that has compiled hundreds of them from around the world. I'll leave a link in the show notes in case you're interested in checking that out. That's all I have for this episode. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, or write a review. If you're interested in more radio-related content, then check out our website at PartisanComsGroup.com. And you can also find us on YouTube by searching at PartisanComsGroup. Thanks for listening. There is a signal broadcast every second of every day through our television sets. Mark my words, AI is more more dangerous than it's. Science and technology are propelling us forward at accelerating rates. Engine's throttling up, three engines now at 104%.